In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. With me, my co-host, the young, upcoming parapsychologist, the rock star of the paranormal, Cal Cooper. Cal? Hello. How's it going, Ron? Hello. Cal. Hello. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Is that your okay? you uh, J- J- James. Hi. James is with us as well? Yep, I am here. Okay, this is... Can you hear me? Got, Hello. All right, yes, I hear you, I hear you. Okay, that was interesting as usual. Uh, been up on the roof all day pounding nails, so what have you been doing? <laughs> My friend, Cal? Cal? Uh, today I was with my book publishers and then just driving about Northampton, uh, not Northampton, Portsmouth for the rest of the day and now just chilling out, getting some writing done. And that's about it, really. <laughs> so, so how, is the, how about you? How, how is the book coming? Uh, it's doing well. I'm well over halfway now. Uh, um, I've been looking at my cover designs today, so that's all picked. I'm going to sort out some talks for ne- uh, next year. I've already got three or four of them booked ready, uh, where I'll be talking about the book and what research I've been doing. So it's well on the way. It should be finished by the end of Christmas or at the very latest, the end of January. So really? more to come on that. I just got a uh, a note that Richard, Hello. there's been a Richard sighting. <laughs> Richard? Hello? How are you doing? Oh, my God. He is alive. No, it's not. It's me. It's not my God at all. <laughs> I, <laughs> there's been a cross, cross something here, I think. Something's gone wrong, but don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, are you with us? Okay, let's let, let's see. Let's sort everybody out before we go any farther. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Hello, uh, yeah, yeah, Mike. Cal, how are you doing, Cal? Do we still yeah, have Cal? Thanks. How are you doing? Okay, very well, Mike. And we also have a guest. Uh, he is a uh, medium, uh, Mr. James Kemp. Mr. Kemp, are you here? Yeah, I'm here. 
There you go. We got four musketeers. That's hey, fabulous. Hey, what about that? <laughs> so it, anyways, I, I would like to say, uh, you know, uh, remember, remember uh, the 5th of November. Gunpowder, treason, and plot. I can think of no reason why gunpowder and treason should ever be forgot. Oh, good job, guys. How's about that? So, so, Cal, did you get your soupy beans, a piece? No, I didn't. Um, we stay down here for um, bonfire night in Portsmouth. Uh, I'll have my own little bonfire night on my own when I go back up to Nottingham, and I'll get my uh, mug of mushy peas and mint sauce. Richard, surely you have that. Mushy peas and mint sauce? Good God, yeah. yeah. In the mug. Absolutely. Can't beat it, mate, yeah. especially with fish. <laughs> See, that's more of a Nottingham and Derby thing. We all have that up there. Of course we do. Absolutely right, sir. Yes, us East Midlanders, you know. Yeah. It, that See, sounds like the most. That's, that sounds like the most revolting thing I've ever heard of. Oh no, it's very what good. You can't beat it, mate. Mint sauce. It's very good. One is. Oh, go on, Richard. No, it's great. Can't beat it. I tell you, I. Uh, well, it's a, a delicacy up here, isn't it? Yeah, but when it's a cold night and you're watching um, fireworks or you stood around the bonfire, it's better than having even uh, a hot drink with you. Just stood there with a mug of hot peas and so on. Oh, my yeah, God. I must, I must be honest with you, I didn't this year. I had, what did I have? Oh, I had, I, that's why we had home, homemade leek and potato soup. Uh, we had a big party uh, because my youngest son got engaged. Oh, congratulations. Oh, hey, congratulations. Yeah, William. Him. So uh, we had an engagement party and a firework party at the same time, and a big guy, and we burnt we burnt guy forks, and um, what I remember of it was very good. <laughs> so I, I know that we have James and Alignworth, but one quick question: How do you burn guy forks? I mean, how, how do you do that? How do you do it? Yeah, it's quite. You make a guy. You know, you know, you understand what we're talking about with a guy. I mean, you, you sort of make a a model, a dummy, uh, with a pair of trousers and a, and a jacket and a mask and whatever. You, uh, stuff it with straw or newspaper or whatever. You stick him on the top of the bonfire and set him on fire. Really? Don't you do that? No, you've done it. I've never done it that Thanks. way. Have you not? How do you do it, Cal? No, we just put people we don't like on there. <laughs> yeah, but we we used to do that a long time ago, but uh, not anymore. But uh, yeah, do, do you not do that, Ron? Do you not have a a, a guy, as it's called? Uh, as you know, uh, you know that the fifth of November is like nothing here, except maybe yeah, daylight like savings time. Uh, yeah, I mean, we 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 didn't have the parliament almost blown up. You guys did. It was you know it was your deal, not ours. Well, that's true, but you know we you you. you you were still part of us then. I suppose. In 1605, yeah, I think it was. Uh, but yeah. anyway, yeah, it's uh, something very special to us. And uh, uh, But funnily enough, I mean, the whole damn thing is, is all, again, back to uh, this religion thing. And basically, the whole I th idea was originally it was... Uh, it was Halloween, and when the church came along and, and nicked all of the pagan festivals, um, they changed the, the whole damn thing to November the 5th. Um, but it really was sort of uh, all to do with Halloween and uh, lighting of bonfires and all that sort of stuff. So it's another religious thing, you see. So, so James, uh, you're still with us. Uh, do, do you celebrate that as well? Poor lad. Um, I must admit, I sort of celebrate it, not too much, but... A tiny bit, I suppose. A tiny bit. How do you celebrate it a tiny bit? Um, 
only way I suppose I did actually celebrate it, I went to, say, a local fireworks and just watched them there. But that was about it. Huh. Well, that's, that's what <laughs> most people do. A lot of people do that now. Full of mushy peas. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot more people actually do it that way now, Ron. Over here, they, we tend to go to um, uh, organised uh, firework displays rather than a lot of people doing it themselves. It's uh, all down to health and safety and all sorts of things like that these days. So, uh, but uh, I still, uh, you know, I, I, you know, you know me, uh, still doing it the old way, and uh, you yeah, because I'm, a, I'm of an earlier world, you know, mate. <laughs> Pigeons again. <laughs> yeah, pigeons. Uh, anyway, you know, we we actually had an interesting uh, uh, firework. Uh, there was some fireworks set off for the, uh, I believe it was, oh, I'm trying to think, Halloween, but I, I, I get muddled at my age. But uh, it was very shortly, just a shot while ago, and uh, they had spent a lot of money in fireworks, and there was a malfunction. And all the fireworks went off at once, so they shot the entire fireworks within one minute, and it was all over. <laughs> wow. Dangerous. Well, that kind of it's happened up. when I was in Northampton. We had a bonfire night, but it was a public one, and that kind of um, went all wrong, and most of the boxes holding the fireworks fell over and started firing at the crowd. So uh, <gasps> that was quite a laugh as well. It was also at a pub, so everyone was drinking, so no one really knew what was going on. Everyone was just running from all these rockets. It's quite exciting, <laughs> but very dangerous. So, anyways, let's let's get back to our show, I guess, because we have poor Mr. James Kemp here waiting in the wings. Well, waiting, well, like a blue ninja, he's waiting in the wings, <laughs> and uh, he has something to tell us. And, and basically, James uh, and I think Cal has the questions, don't you, Cal? Oh, <laughs> right. Okay, uh, James. Yeah. Could you explain to us um, what do you do as a psychic? Okay, my job is, I suppose, there's two ways. Of course, I do do personal readings and also, but I do say, pick up on spirits on ghost hunts or on haunted places. And I try to tend to focus on that more. And why I work, I must admit, I have changed from how I've worked originally, but how I work now is I go into a location, and I'm more or less just say look around the location and see if I can spot anyone, uh, I suppose you could say spirit-wise, and more or less have a conversation with them. Richard, that's right up your alley, right? I mean, you you, you use you use mediums in your uh, ghost tours and stuff, right? And it's very similar. Oh, yeah, well... Yeah, not not in the actual sort of, or not on the ghost walks and the things that I do. But obviously, when we do, um, you know, as we call them, night vigils, overnighters, and that sort of thing, I, I, oh yes, very much work with with, with mediums. Uh, yeah, very similar. Um, and I presume, James, you, do, do you sort of work with you know di different sort of ghost walk? What's the word I'm looking for? Paranormal groups or, or companies, that sort of thing. Um, I must admit, at the moment, I do actually work with One Pound Normal Company. But right. I have worked with others. I even went to a USA this year and done a few ghost hunts over there, which was interesting. Right. Really? Where, where was that, James? I actually done it in Florida, um, with Florida Ghost Chasers, and it was an old jail cell that I done. Mm-hmm. Ah. Quite interesting. Was, was it Spanish ghosts, by any chance? Um... 
from what I can remember, not a lot actually happened. I think only thing that happened from what I can recall is I remember going into one of the cells and picking up a name and description. And what was interesting is um, in the museum part, they had all the details of the people that stayed there and they actually traced this person back to that actual cell, which was quite interesting for me. Wow. Who was the person? Was it? Was it? Uh, were, were they American or or or, or what? Um, I think they were American. I can't remember too much about it now. Can't even remember right. the name, but I can just remember what actually happened. I, I know. I know. Cal has got his parapsychologist hat on, and he's going to ask the parapsychology question right now, aren't you, Cal? <laughs> Go for it. Which would be, uh, how did you, did you were privy of where you were going? I think that's what you were looking at, right, Cal? Uh, there's a number of things I could ask, um, such as um, more so sitting James down and saying, well, how do you actually have these experiences? Are they actually, do, you, do they appear as people, as the people around us living? Or how do you see them? And Do you picture them in your head? Are they projected in front of you? Because loads of mediums claim to, see them in different ways. Some people see them as any other person. Some people see them as a sort of memory or some sort of playback. So how do you actually go about having these experiences? How do you perceive these experiences? Um, I must admit, my main way I actually see stuff is like what you said, I will see them in my mind or see them in my head. But every, from time to time, um, I will see them more or less just in front of me. But of course, what I would say, if they're not clear as clear, you can sort of say, I want to say see through them, but um, more or less like someone there, but not quite fully 100%. Hmm. Wow. You've done a lot of work um, around Portsmouth in the UK, so could you tell us a bit about one of your most memorable experiences in a haunted location in Portsmouth and what actually happened there with one of your experiences? Um, I think there is quite a few experiences well, experiences I've had. One of the ones I will never forget, and I must admit, I won't forget it because it's a situation where I had to be led to actually believe it because if someone told me it happened, I wouldn't have believed them. And I was actually at Buckham House, Old Portsmouth, and all we were doing was about eight or nine of us sitting around the table doing a seance. And for about two hours, nothing happened. And all of a sudden, a table dropped and of course everyone was like hang on a sec how can a table just drop because you would have felt it lifting up and with this the table lifted up and dropped a few more times I must admit okay if it was a small table you could think someone may be faking it or whatever but this table in particular took about say four people to lift at a time so it was a bit hard to explain and even at a time in the end, we was calling out and whatever. We got to a point where a table was, I want to say, it was in midair, even though it sounds hard to believe. And even for parapsychologists at a time, tried putting, or actually put his hand underneath a table legs and whatever. And was like, how is this happening? Whatever. And couldn't find a reason. Something that was interesting for me, of course, this, this was going back to the time when I was first starting out as a medium. Um, I could see shadows, say, or black figures or shadows walking around the room. But what was interesting is that's why I went past the back of my chair, the floorboards underneath my chair moved as well. 
but I must admit, a lot of people did get scared for it. What was weird about it, all of a sudden, it just stopped and nothing else happened. Now, Richard, wow. you've, had a, you've had a lot of experience. You, you have been doing your uh, uh, Psychic and Science Tour, and, and I believe one of the experiments you do in, in the Psychic and Science Tour is uh, table tipping. And, Indeed, have yeah. You ever, yeah. Have you ever seen lower table? Now, just does, does it with no one at it? I mean, that's no, that, that's weird. one of the things I wanted to ask James. I mean, James, just a matter of interest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, there was a go so how many of you were around the table at the time? There's about eight or nine of us. Eight or nine, yeah. And I mean, I presume you've got your hands on the table. Um, believe it or not, from what I can remember, we were holding hands, but of course, we did have our hands on the table. And in fact, I can remember one person even fell asleep on the table. When I slept <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Now, I mean, so, so in other words, you've you've been at you've been at it for two for two hours, sort of thing, with absolutely nothing. The one of the fellas fell asleep. Was on the table at the time? I'm sorry, guys. I mean, was he actually on the table? What was that? Was he actually on the table asleep? Uh, or, or he was actually on the table. We sat around it, holding hands, and of course, there was a gotcha. like, and he must have fell asleep. Right, uh, <laughs> but he, but he obviously no, he didn't. He didn't go up with the table, of course. No, no, no. He was just sat <laughs> dozing in the chair, I presume. Um. Well, he was leaning over onto the table, so he did have a bit wow. of a shock when the table dropped. I mean, oh wow! <laughs> but but hang on. So that oh, sorry, I'm trying to get my head around it. So the table was actually up in the air. Well, he dropped. This, this is a puzzling part, and I must admit, I can't even work it out. Now, no. to this day, and even the people now was there, because none of us at the time actually felt the table lifting. Right. So, I don't know Gosh. how within those two hours it must have lifted very, very slowly without us yeah. noticing it, and all of a sudden it just dropped. So Good grief. If, but there was no, you hadn't got your hands on it, you were just, you'd got your hands, you were holding hands around the table. Yeah. Gosh. And... And then it dropped. That, that is, I, I have no never one was touching the tabletop. Experienced anything like it? What, it was that what was that, Cal? Cal? Oh, I was just saying. So no, no one was actually touching the tabletop at all. I think um, only the guy that was asleep on it. <laughs> Since, uh, um, at a time, people might have been resting for their elbows or resting for their hands on it, but right. that would have been about it. Wow. Was anyone That's filming the, that? Yes, I was just going to say that. Sadly, yeah. no, this, believe it or not, no one was filming it. Only thing we actually had was the dictaphone going on. Because I must admit, I am a big believer, for whatever reasons, things don't happen when you've got cameras around, sadly enough. Yeah. Mm. Always the way. Well, well, well. <laughs> I don't know, Cal. When you come over here, I definitely got to show you the, the table tipping we did at Rose Island, which was a huge oak table, double pedestal oak table. And we did videotape that. So, uh, yeah. It's a, well done. Mm, well it, done. It, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily... I mean, I granted most things you don't capture, but you, you can. I mean, uh, I think you can. Yeah. I mean, we, I'll be honest with you. One of the most... Um, Oh gosh! Yeah, I mean, obviously, the most haunted. We all, you know, everyone either loved it or hated it or anything else. But I mean, I, I we had some amazing uh, 
incidents on oh, with table tilting. Those, those, uh, to be honest with you, table tilting is the thing that that sticks in my mind probably as much as anything on the show. Uh, and there are definitely some times when when I know for a fact nobody was faking it. Uh, and we did once, only once in the whole of my career, I've actually had a table lift um, all four legs off off the floor. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. But it, it, it was. Uh, it, I still can't explain it. Um, but I, I was there. I took the table up into this attic. Uh, I positioned it. I know full well that there was no, no trickery, that there were no magnets. It was a metal table, funnily enough. And, and I watched it come up off the floor with all four legs off it. And uh, I still don't know. But uh, it was one of the best things that's ever happened to me, to be honest with you. Very, very good. So it is, it is, you know, it is possible. There's no getting away from it. Right. Kel, have you ever seen table tipping at all? And and, and uh, you know, what is what are your thoughts on it? Do you hundreds think it's all fakery? Or hundreds of times, and I'm yet to be <laughs> I'm yet to be convinced. I've I've never seen a convincing table tipping experiment or um, seen footage of one where I can fully comment on what's going on because it'll probably only be from one angle or you've just you know you need the top of the table, you need underneath the table, you need a camera around everyone. So to yeah, be there is yeah. the kind of best experience because you can keep an eye on everyone while you're there and have a good walk around the table if you're acting as an investigator on the outside. But, you know, I, I've never seen the table levitate without people touching it or supposedly levitate. Oh, I've never table. seen that. I've only ever seen it. No, I've never seen it without someone touching it. And then you've got the problem, of course, of, you know, if someone's touching it, were they moving it? That's the trouble. Yeah, Isn't but, that? I mean, mm. is, isn't there a point where we have to accept people yes. for their word? I mean, yes, it's... To me, you know, it's nice to be, you know, okay, uh, you know, to to prove it. I mean, I don't think you can prove it, but you you can at least accept. It's like accepting an eyewitness is what they saw. It's what they saw. So what they believe is what they believe. So, I mean, you can't think that everybody is out to screw you or, you know, pull something over you. you you've, there are times you absolutely have to just, at least in my book, you yeah. have to accept people for their what they are, a witness, yeah. witness of their reality. Yeah, well done, Ron. Oh, well done. I mean, absolutely. I, but, but what we've learned from psychology is that after most events, even um, a car accident or anything like that, memories can be distorted by talking to other people at the event or simply trying uh, to encode this memory into our mind so we can remember it easy. And that might be by twisting some of the facts sometimes. It's it's not done on purpose. It's just, uh, you know, intentionally to make the events different to what it was. It's just a way of remembering. I mean, if we all think of, say, the story of Little Red Riding Hood, I'm sure all four of us right now could probably tell it to each other. But we'll all have a different take on the whole story. We'll all tell it in a different ways because we've incorporated it into our mind in a way that's easily remembered. And from what I've learned with a lot of people that report paranormal experiences, you've got to take into consideration that the overall experience that they're probably reporting to you is probably uh, 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 different from the original experience they had. So if you saw video footage of the experience and then their eyewitness account, say, a year later, the event might become more and more extravagant as time goes on, maybe because they've told it to other people, and then it gets more and more and more. So you can imagine that there's probably activity with the table tipping and it was moving but then a year down the line they might say oh it was actually levitating and it was off the floor and it was moving about the room i mean these are possibilities we've got to take into account and i have seen these experiences uh, uh 
met people before that claim these experiences and when we go back it's not actually as extravagant as they make it out to be so right. again when i go back to all the experiences uh where i've been and monitored these experiments i've never seen anything as extravagant in terms of the table levitating as what people have actually told me they've experienced so i'm yet to actually see this in person at an investigation so we've just got to look at are we kind of unintentionally tricking ourselves in a way as to what's going on it's it's not something i'm saying anyone's doing but it's something we've definitely got to take into account because we know that our minds are capable of doing this so uh james i want to go back to you in, in a second yes. but uh just one quick uh thing so if i showed you for instance the footage of this table tipping and we told you that no one faked it okay if you looked at it, could you look at it that way, saying, okay, no one faked it. We'll, we'll accept the witnesses' reports that no one faked it. And here we see video of it. So we do have some evidence of what's going on. But, you know, of course, we're not going to have every angle like you expected. Do you, would you find that at least interesting, or, or would you just poo-poo the whole thing? Is that to me, Ron? Yeah, that's you, Cal. Before I, I get asked uh, you. Uh, it, yes, if you, if you showed me the footage and what I was seeing was adequate, I was getting views of underneath the table, what everyone was doing around the table, and there was a running commentary. You know, everyone was saying, right, let's, let's just put our palms down on the table, let's put our fingertips on the table. And you could see everyone changing so they're not actually gripping the table, they're not grabbing it, or their legs aren't uh, pushing the table, legs under the floor. You know, it might actually appear, if you've done it under as much of a controlled circumstance as you can and let's face it we can never have an, a perfectly controlled um, environment in a field investigation um it, it might be compelling evidence but i would like to go back and run further experiments in that same place with the same table and hopefully the same people as well and get more uh, monitoring equipment about so set up cameras all the way around so you've got a constant running footage of people's legs and their hands and what people are doing around the room so no one can say oh well there was hidden strings at corner uh, each corner of the room that was moving oh people's God. chairs all the time uh, 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 oh come off it cal that's 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 taking no, no, this is the that really is. <laughs> oh, no, you, you've really got to go to the extent. Because I mentioned in a paper once called um, When Researchers Become Eyewitnesses to the Anomalous, Should Seeing Be Believing? And it's when, say, a parapsychologist did record footage of portugal's activity. If he shows that to the next parapsychologist, they're liable to be extremely sceptical and say, well, I can't actually see what's going on in this part of the room. There's probably another door there. I don't see what's behind That's the right. camera. There has to come to a point where you've got to accept something. That's the question. I mean, you can go and continue. Uh, you could go add, add cameras, add witnesses, add cameras, and still you're always going to find some flaw somewhere if someone looks at it. I mean, it's, it's simple enough. There's got to be a point, though, where you accept you know, that there is something in it, Ron. Yes, because there yes. is something yes. in it, but it's not what we think. You know, like like you just mentioned, Cal just mentioned the poltergeist. You know, uh, I'm totally convinced that the you know the poltergeist is nothing more than an energy source um, coming from a person. You know, uh, usually prepubescent children. Um, it's energy from us that we we can actually we are not that far away from Star Wars and use the force. Um, but we think it's we call it a ghost because we don't understand it. Um, 
in the same way as I, I use a remote control to open my electric gates every morning. Well, you're going to you're gonna have to hold that thought because we have to take a break right now. Let's you're hold the gate. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with the Four Musketeers, Psychic Jane, Medium James Kemp, Mr. Richard Felix, Cal Cooper, and Ron Kolak. We'll be right back after the following messages on Tojinet, Parax, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Everything you heard about witches is true. Halloween is the time of year when the shades of the dead whisper from forgotten places and spirits walk among us. The witches of Salem, Massachusetts honor this time with Festival of the Dead, an annual event series that explores death's macabre customs, heretical histories, and strange rituals. Founded by Salem witches, Sean Poirier and Christian Day, and hosted by the foremost authorities on the spirit world, Festival of the Dead beckons guests who step through the veil into a mysterious realm where spirits await you. To learn more or to purchase tickets, visit festivalofthedead.com or call 978-740-9783. Happy Halloween! <laughs> And I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anne and Ron. See you then. Back, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Sir Richard Felix, the rock paranormal psychologist, Mr. Cal Cooper, the young upcoming medium, Mr. James Kemp, and the old man Ron Cole. Hey, I'm older than you. Don't forget. 
Yeah, yeah. No, not by much. You, you look well, younger. We actually have a couple of questions from the chat room, and, and the first one, uh, I, I guess we'll ask um, James, and that was someone wanted to know if that place, the, the jail you went into in Florida was, I have to find it again because it got moved on me, the Castillo de San Marcos, was that the name of it by any chance, uh, James? Um, no, it wasn't. I will look up in a sec and find out for you. Oh, cool. um, it was actually for Green, I think this is right, Green Cove Jail. Hmm, haven't heard of it. Two secs, I'll look it up now. And I'll let you know in two minutes. Okay. And, and while you're doing that, uh, Richard, somebody asked uh, if you are going to be doing a ghost tour in Den by North Wales Friday night on 11 11 11. <laughs> Ronald, Ronald, it's Denby. <laughs> oh, it's well, it's, it's a place called Denby in North Wales and it's Friday night. Absolutely right. I'm doing a ghost hunt, a book signing, uh, and a talk uh, in Denby because uh, I'm, I'm planning on starting up a new Denby ghost walk. Oh, excellent. Um, in North Yay. Wales. So I shall be there at 7.30 at the Guild Hall. Uh, in Denby, and I believe, I'm not sure whether there's any places left, uh, but if they go on the website, I'm sure they'll be able to find out. But, uh, yes, I am going to be in Denby on Friday night. I've got a very busy week ahead of me, Ron. Evidently. And, uh, James, did you find the name of that? Um, I'm just looking it up now. It <laughs> does come up with it. It's called Green Cove Springs, Florida Jail. Huh. Okay. <laughs> wow. So, uh... James, I mean, how long have you been a medium, and, and how did you really get into it? Uh, you know, I mean, is that something you've had with you all your life, or is it it's something you develop a little later on? And uh... um, I must admit, when I was growing up, I only noticed now, looking back on it, um, I used to say things to my mum and dad, what I used to see, and I used to notice different bits around me. But, of course, growing up, I must admit, I didn't quite know what was going on. And, of course, when I was at school, I told a few people about ghosts and whatever. And of course, I didn't really have a understanding attitude to it. And it wasn't until I left school, started college and whatever, and I went along to a local cafe that done, so ghost talks and whatever, and started to realise that more people out there is actually into it and actually like it. And from that... I went on a ghost hunt and met a medium and I started following a path of mediumship. So it's it's something you develop later then, kinda. I suppose it depends what you look at what way you look at. I would say yeah in one well, in one way, but I must admit looking back on it now I had a lot more going on when I was growing up, but of course, like you said, I only started developing it later in life. Did, James, did you did you have what mum and dad called imaginary friends when you were a kid? <laughs> um, believe it or not, as far as I can remember, I didn't. Only thing I can remember saying is I got to go to bed by, I think it was 12 o'clock, if not, so-and-so comes out. Now, I must admit, I can't remember what he used to say, but it was along those lines, but... Mm. That's about it. But wow. I must admit, 
my first paranormal experience was when I was actually six years old. And all I was doing was in a cupboard under the stairs around someone's house and um, a cup came off a shelf and flew towards me and hit me in the back. Ouch. Of course, I said to a person at a time, you know, cups just came and got me. And Flair just said, oh, the house is haunted. So I would say I've been around, say, a lot of a pound normal most of my life, but it's about it. All right. Mm-hmm. I've got see- to... Uh, Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, is, is a uh, question that was posed to me earlier today to actually present to the radio show to all of you, if um, all of you can help. But it was generally on um, battlefield ghosts, if any of you are familiar with them. Oh, and, yes, go on. And, but particularly, particularly uh, you can talk about any battlefield ghost, but particularly the Civil War. But if you can mention any good books or articles on battlefield ghosts, um, there's um, a student in the U.S. that is particularly interested and would greatly appreciate any references that you can give to those sort of um, books or articles. Really? Okay. I, actually, I actually have a, a book right here in my little hands as you speak right. it. As you no, actually, it's oh. haunted, haunted Battlefields of the South, and it's written by Brian Bush and Thomas Freezy. All right, fantastic. All right. Well, so well, Jeff's go. done a very good book as well, you know, Ron. Jeff Belanger's done an extremely good book on battlefield ghosts. Ghosts of War. Ghosts of War, that's the one, yeah? Yep, yep. So the yeah, rest of out there, anyways. It's probably the most yeah, underestimated yeah. haunted sites on the planet, to be honest with you. Because they have all the ingredients that make up a haunting. From murder, suicide, premature death, young people dying, people being blown to pieces and not knowing they're dead, um, trauma, tragedy, yeah, no, but no, no laid to rest, you name it. No sex, Richard. Say again. No sex. No what? No sex doesn't have all the uh, elements. You forgot. I'm oh, sorry. Well, <laughs> nearly all of the elements of, of creating a haunting, anyway. <laughs> Anyways, we have a question for uh, Mr. James uh, Kemp from uh, Ghost Girl in the chat room, and yep. she wants to know: Do you see spirits all the time? Um, I must admit. I never used to. Only thing I see now is every so often I'll be at work or walking somewhere, I notice something. I'm, I suppose the best way to describe it is almost like the air, say, glistens. And I must admit, most of the time, I know it's um, not nice to say, I take no notice of it because normally, say, generally when I'm working or whatever, I try to have a break from the ghost stuff. But I must admit, I know it's there all the time. Mm. Can you switch yourself on and off from actually, you know, seeing things, James? I must admit, I'm not a big believer of um, different mediums out there that say you can switch yourself on and off. Mm. I believe mediumship is about being you, and I believe if it's you, um, it's there. It's almost like... Switch, switching off, say, your sight or your sense of smell. Mm. You know what? I, I'm actually going to disagree with you on that because I, I think you can. It's just like um, 
I know my mom and dad married married for years and years, but I, I know my my father used to tune my mother out totally. So I, I don't think it's any different than doing that. I mean, he he would just you know not listen, not hear her basically. And and I know <laughs> that, a lot of men like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're bad. But, yeah, you and me both, Rob. <laughs> but I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of other people who are concentrating on things, and and they will tune out the background or tune out. Uh, Cal, is, is this something that's scientific, or is it, 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 that we can't yeah. do this? Or I've I've mentioned it before. We do it artificially in the psychology and parapsychology labs. It's a technique called the Gansfeld, and we use sensory deprivation to try and enhance psychic abilities or promote them. And um, you know, over the years that it's been going since the 1960s and 70s, it's had some really good results. The Gansfeld, and is still used to this day. And generally, um, we suppress or um, people's ability to kind of see normally. We um, put shields over the eyes and then red light shines on the eye shields and it creates this sort of pink haze in front of your vision which promotes um visual imagery so like hallucinations or any thoughts that you're kind of any thoughts that come to your head you can kind of pitch them in front of you in a sort of form of a hallucination and they lay in a big comfy chair usually a big reclining chair with a blanket over them so they can relax their arms relax their legs and they hear a relaxation tape so that kind of in a way takes away their ability to touch things or move about they kind of lose the sense of having their body or the weight of the body because of the relaxation tape and they're also listening to the relaxation tape which goes through into white noise and they listen to that uh, the white noise for 30 to 40 minutes and that also helps to clear the mind as well so um that sensory deprivation for you is it's um kind of got rid of the senses that we're always using around us and you kind of just lose a complete track of time and most people that go through the Gansfeld when you ask them afterwards how did that feel they can't believe it's over already they think they've been in it for say just two minutes when in fact they've been there for 40 minutes or so or sometimes even an hour when you take into account the time it takes to set it up and all they do while they're in the Gansfeld is just say anything that comes to mind those images they see and it it is remarkable sometimes what they come out with, and um, that sometimes is um, good evidence for what we might perceive as psychic abilities. So, yeah, but that, that's us artificially shutting off the senses. Whether you can do that in the real world, maybe by meditation, it, it, I suppose it's possible, but I, it might not be easy for everyone to do that. So I, I mean, there are definitely, I mean, James, you don't agree with that. You, you think that everybody is open um, all the time, basically. I guess that's your philosophy, correct? Um, yeah, I must admit, I, I wouldn't say everyone is open, but myself personally, um, I'm not a big believer of closing down. So I'm all let's leave myself open, say, most of the time. Mm. James, does that mean then that it's a little bit, little bit like leaving your phone number available for everyone <laughs> to ring you when they wish? If you know, I mean, you know, do, do you get inundated? Are you, in other words, hate to say it like this, but you know, are you seeing dead people all the time? Um, I must admit, like I said earlier, I notice different, say, spirits around me, but most of the mm. time. Even though it sounds horrible, I don't give him the time and day always, unless I'm actually. Uh, giving a demonstration or actually doing a ghost hunt somewhere. Yeah. 
So, in other words, in a way, you are not exactly switching off, but you're certainly, what's the word I'm looking Yeah, not giving them the time of day. Igno- or ignoring them, I suppose, is the way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just letting them... But they're still there, and you're still seeing them or sensing them or... Yeah. Wow. So it <laughs> must be... It must be a... What, how can I put it? Um, you must never be alone. Um... I never walk alone. I don't know. I don't want to say no, I'm not. Oh, yeah, I am. Mm. But I must admit, sometimes I do try and just take no notice of it. Yes. What's going on? Yeah. Wow. We actually have another question from the uh, TojiNet chat room, and someone is from the UK. They live just outside of Portsmouth, and wondering if, James, uh, if you are planning to do any ghost hunts in, in that area? Yeah, I must admit, um, I do them in Portsmouth around about every month. And for places like Fort Ridley and Burston Brickworks. And I must admit, something um, I do on the ghost hunts is, instead of more or less being a centre of attention and saying, this is what I pick up and this is what I'm getting, I like to people that come along, I like to say to them, actually, I'm going to show you how to do it and see what you actually get. And of course, during the night, if they do want to come and ask me, James, what do you sense? I will tell them. But I find it a bit more interesting seeing what other people pick up than matching it up. But something we do on the ghost hunts as well is we try to look at it from a medium's point of view and also a scientific, so it's 50-50 balanced. Now, I must admit, of course, I do a mediumship part and someone else does a parapsychology part. Mm. That's interesting. That's quite good, actually, for, for you to... But how, how do you... Um, how would you sort of... If, if you were sort of trying to help someone uh, to actually see something or sense something or hear something that night, uh, you know, if they're not in any way psychic sensitive or or mediumistic can you help them in in some way to actually you know realize their ambition to see something i would say i would like to try to help him the best i can and something i do with everyone is different exercises that they find nice and simple not too difficult not too hard of course i must admit when i first went to different mediums saying you know how do i pick up ghosts i remember i got told meditate for two hours a day, and etc. I must admit, only problem I had, I would meditate for two hours a day, and I'd fall asleep about three hours later, or wake up <laughs> three hours later. Yeah. And wow. all I encourage on ghost hunts, if I say meditation, two minutes at a maximum. But yep. for exercise, it's just nice and simple. Hmm. Yeah, a few deep breaths, let go of everything, and, and you know, try to relax, that sort of stuff. Is that, I mean, is that key in spirit communication, is is the drop into that state where you are uh, totally relaxed? I don't know what you call it, alpha state, uh, Cal, I forget what the, the proper terminology is, it, uh, but it's the state where you're, you're, you're so, re, you know, so relaxed, uh, but not sleeping. Oh, yeah, that, um, it's, it's kind of a very... Um it's a state that we kind of associate with hypnotherapy, and if you're getting to sleep, if you're just about to go to sleep, that's called the hypnagogic state. It's just when you're about to enter sleep, 
but sleep and dreams could actually take over and enter in the waking state. So it's like a, oh, it's hard to say. You're kind of associating your dreams with reality and the reverse when you're just waking up, which is the hypnopompic state. Um, yeah, those, yeah, those but this, two. This, I mean, this, I, I, I suppose people could be um, more open though when, when they meditate that way. That that's the idea. With meditation, you're not going to sleep. You're right. focusing your thoughts inwards, and you're um, changing your sense of consciousness around the environment. You are shutting down in a way. You're you're kind of blocking out what's going on, but at the same time, trying to become more open to thoughts and feelings, which we could associate with mediumship and psychic abilities. So, you know, you, you could put up a load of people that claim to be psychic against a load of people that meditate and get them both to come up with information about an environment if you send the meditators to the environment and the psychics to the same environment and see what kind of information they both come out with. We, we actually had a, an interesting experiment, uh, experience. Uh, we did Dining with the Dead uh, on Halloween at the Wyndham Re Restaurant, which Richard knows well. Um, Indeed I do. Yeah, and, and we did a, a seance at the end of the evening, and then we did seance not as a Thai group. We did it according to tables. We had like, uh see, one, two, three, four, four, like five tables, and everybody in the table uh, did their own individual seance thing. And, and the interesting thing about it is my wife was there, and my wife has really no psychic ability, really no interest in, in psychic ability or, or anything really of the paranormal. Uh, she she uh, still shakes her head at me. But anyway, she was partaking in it, and she actually began to, uh, I don't know, if, I'm not going to say channeling, but, you know, she started, her head started moving, and she started speaking uh, about different places in the restaurant where it wasn't really her. So I, I found that interesting because, you know, here's a person that is almost like a skeptic, uh, but, you know, she did get uh, caught up in the moment, or, or, or is it more than that? Down to you, Cal. Nobody. Oh, uh, um, oh, I've seen that before on events where people go along and they're either a partner that's kind of been dragged along or they're just a skeptic that wants to go along and voice their opinion and uh, kind of put some rational explanations on it and then all of a sudden in the middle of the event they'll turn around they'll have some sort of experience and I've seen some people that you know go along and they're admittedly a skeptic and you can see from the start that they're doubting everything and then the next minute they think ghosts are chasing them down the corridor or they start to have a panic attack being in the dark with everyone <laughs> and you've got to take into account you know the, the setting they're in and um, the kind of information they're being fed and I, I suppose where you were with dining with the dead it's i'm sure you've got the lights on and it's all, all open and friendly you're not enclosed in a small dark room that's creepy and you've been told it's haunted. So that is quite unusual. Um, was she in, was it in the dining hall or um, was it? Yeah, it was, of, it was in the dining hall. I mean, it was just tables. Uh, it's a, a bunch of tables in the rooms. And, uh, you know, it, 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 we did bring the lights down lower. Uh, you know, and of course, the, the restaurant is, is definitely haunted. Uh, Richard knows that, right, Richard? Yes, indeed. 
But it's a very unhaunted-looking place. It, it's uh, quite, quite very pleasant, very mo not modern, but sort of not not the sort of place that you would walk into uh, without being told, I suppose, that you know that it's haunted. And of course, knowing Janet as I do, I'm, you know that's quite something because she's certainly she, I've been involved with Ron for a lo long time with with what Ron's done, and and very much like my wife, to just you know she don't do ghosts basically. It's right, isn't it, Ron? Yeah. That's pretty much it. It's like Julie, yeah. with, like Julie getting, doing it, right? Yeah, no way, you know. And then, you know, it can happen to you, folks. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Great, and it sounds as if it did. But it's interesting, we, we were just saying about, you know, all these sort of different frames of minds and everything. Uh, one of the things I've, I've been going into very recently, and of course, you know, it's the best chance of seeing a ghost, and that's a word, we all know, it's just a word that we use, uh, is, is when your mind is um, switched off and you, you're... Your mind's in neutral and you've got nothing on your mind. And I'm finding more and more that people see ghosts when they're on holiday because there's nothing else on their mind. That's interesting. And at the weekend. James have, you got any... James, have you got any questions or topics you want to bring up? Yeah, um, Cal, I've actually got one question for you. And it's actually, I know I mentioned earlier about different experiments that I do on ghost hunts. And, uh, and one of the experiments that I have done before is I take one person off at a time or two people at a time. I'll ask them a series of, say, questions. I must admit, I do start off with, you could say, guided exercise. And then I'll say to them, what is a person's name? Are you picking up? etc." And the question I've got is, um, if I say on different ghost hunts I've talked so many number of people, and they all come up with the same name, same description. How would you explain that from a power psychologist's point of view? If this is the same location and the same area that you've taken them yeah. to, different people that don't know the previous people that haven't told them about the event or you, yeah. um, then that is interesting because you would expect that you would expect that the place is genuinely haunted for people to have the same experience to come up with the same thoughts and feelings. If it's, if it's an impression, if it's an apparition that they're seeing or something like that, that's great. And then that's showing a bit of objectivity to it. And that could be what we were terming on previous shows as these things that we call paranormal, not paranormal as just a, a general thing. If it's just, oh, I'm, I'm feeling very depressed in this room, I feel sick, I feel cold, I'm getting hairs on the back of my neck, that's still good. That's the haunting type phenomenon. We can put that down to psychology. It's still a paranormal uh -oh. psychology is still something within science and human behavior you can study and those are down to our emf levels uh infrasound and the environment that we're in so you know maybe they are genuinely picking up on what you're expecting for them to james if the place is haunted and if that's okay. what you're also getting as well but if that's what you have been getting i would keep documenting that um only one other question i got along a similar lines is of course during that experiment like i said i asked a person what is the spirit's name? I remember one time at a location, there's 18 people there. Of course, I took people off either one or two at a time. And 10 of those people picked up the same name, and that was Emily. Is there any, say, reason that people go for set names rather than others? Mm. Um, I, I think when when you go and look at the history records of the buildings it's easier whether you know 
if you're just having to, as the medium says, go on, open yourself up, what are you getting? It's easier, I suppose, to say the first name than it is to mention the surnames. When I've done cold readings before and done demonstrations of uh, the Barnum scripts and uh, possible ways that some psychics might be um, doing what they do, I've always gone for first names. I've never attempted second names. But I've even like dived in sometimes and thought, you know, if it's wrong, I can quickly change the subject. And I've gone, oh, Teresa, and got it absolutely right when we were at Tubby Castle. And I said, oh, your friend uh, Teresa can't make it today. And she's really missing out. And everyone panicked and went, oh, my God, Teresa's ill today. And she wanted us to come along. And, you know, so it was really getting. But if you've got a group of people that are, again, all separating, they've all come out with Emily... Um, you know, that's good. It might show that possibly there's something there. There's something about the inf- uh, the building that is displaying what we call haunting phenomena. It's recorded information. Who knows? But it's it's that human interaction that it requires for us to actually pick it up and experience it. So it is good stuff. I'm glad you're actually picking up on it. Okay, thanks, Cal. Like and I hope you start to kind of document it a bit more. No problem. Believe it or not, guys, we're just about out of time. So uh, one thing I, I do want to mention, uh, uh, let's see where everybody's doing, and let's start with uh, James. James, do you have any events or anything coming up? Uh, where can people reach you? Uh, do you have a website? Any of that? Yeah, I, I'll start off with a website first. The website is www.supernatural-tours.co.uk, and if you click on that link... You've got all different effects on there, from ghost hunt to ghost walks and also psychic suppers. And also, I have got a personal group on Facebook as well. And if you type in James Kemp, medium specialised in the paranormal, it should come up. Okay. And do you have any upcoming events? James? Sorry, yeah, I do. Two sets. Um, oh. <laughs> on November for 18th. Quite off guard, I guess. Can you still hear me? Yes, we can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, 18th of November, I'm at Fort Purbrook in Portsmouth. And the 26th of November, I'm at the Priest House in Essex. And December, I'm at Arundel Jail. Oh, cool. Richard's favourite's jails. So, Richard, yeah, what do you, got, jails. What do you yeah, got coming up, Richard? Richard, what do you got coming up? Oh, God, I'm in Salisbury Theatre tomorrow night. Uh, I'm in Worthing on uh, Thursday night. God almighty, I'm in Denby on Friday, and I'm in York at the Haunted House on Saturday. Uh, It's going fabulous at the moment. I'm having a wonderful time. Um, And if anybody wants to come and join us, you know, uh, go on to psychicandscience.com. Okay, so anyway, time to wrap it up, and... uh Cal, you got anything coming up before I hit the road? Uh, I might start um, venturing out to do some events soon because I'm getting well on the way with the book, but still taking time off because I've got a lot of these phone call accounts to go through at the moment. Really, really busy getting all those done. And all right, time to wrap it up. Good night. God bless everyone. See you. From aliens to long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.